Chapter 42, The End. Pickett was afraid, but seeing Jupiter's air on the ground, seeing that monster poised above and hearing his laughing taunts, changed something in Pickett. He was afraid, but a violent fury rose in him, drowning out his fear. Red-Eye Garlickson spoke. How now, young prince? Where is your keeper? Has your long treader betrayed you as well? I think so. He cackled, his gravelly voice rattling out. No one will come for you. My wolves have done their work. My spy has done his work. You, like your father, are doomed. You can never kill enough of us, Small said. Pickett wasn't surprised to find his friend's voice even, steady. Another will rise in my place and deal death to you, just as my father did to yours. Pickett inhaled. He felt for the grip of his sword hilt. A harsh growl rose in the wolf's throat. I'll slap your neck, Jupiter Smalls, he barked and feel nothing but delight. Pickett stepped out, ready for a wild run at the wolf, but froze when he heard another voice. Lord Morvan waits. This voice did not belong to any wolf, and it sounded familiar to Pickett, very familiar. He ducked back behind a tree, stealing glances at the shadowy scene. The rest are prepped for Aqualam, and Lord Morbid wants him added to their number. A crown jewel for his treasure. However, he said, and Pickett saw him emerge from beneath the shadows of the trees across the clearing. He said it didn't matter much to him whether this rabid prince lived or died. Of course, you do have quite the score to settle with him, and the setting is just too delicious here. I think perhaps we should kill him. Pickett saw who it was and knew why the voice was so familiar. Garton Longtreader. Pickett gasped. He looked so much like father. He tried to keep his breathing even and made ready to spring into the last desperate attack. But when he looked again, the gray rabbit was rifling through Small's satchel. He stopped smiled and removed his hand. In his hand, fused with the last of the day's light, gleamed a large emerald. Over his uncle's left shoulder, Pickett saw two massive birds leave their high perches and fly towards the center of Jupiter's crossing, where Garton Longtreader was poised to, mur to order the murder of Jupiter's heir. One was a giant eagle and the other a hawk. Not Morvan Blackhawk himself, Pickett knew, but these two were like him, massive, terrible, and cruel. Pickett almost fainted. Paralyzed with fear, he found it nearly impossible to move, but move he must. He breathed deeply and thought of Master Helmer. How I wish you were here with me, you mad old soldier. He fingered his sword hilt. 
but left the shield. An old image of the star secret came to his mind, and he relaxed, remembering Heather and the family he loved, the cause they all believed in, and for which he was laying down his life. And the Starseek game reminded him of another thing, of how his mind worked, of what he was good at. He gave one last hasty look at the scene, and then whipped back behind the tree, his back plastered to the trunk. He closed his eyes and quickly mapped out his foolhardy attack. One breath. He smacked the tree, drumming out the fear. Another breath. He remembered with a welling fury his family's ruined name, the attack on his home, his parents, and baby Jack's. One last breath. He thought of the cruel treachery revisiting the royal household here. It must be now. He ran from his cover and straight for the center of the field. Garton Longtreader examined the green ember with satisfaction, and Red Eye Garlickson moved to kill Prince Jupiter Smalls. Pickett had covered half the field when he was spotted. Garlickson raised his head, a grim delight on his face. He seemed to recognize Pickett. Garton may have too, for he stepped back quickly and tripped, spilling the emerald high in the air. The birds didn't wait. They flew straight at Pickett. The foremost one, the eagle, swooping low with his talons poised. Pickett never stopped. He ran faster. The hawk circled behind, directly above Garlickson, behind and above the speeding eagle. Pickett saw how it was. They would take him in turns. When Pickett was a few yards from the swooping eagle, he went as low as he could, shortening his stride and dropping low to the earth. The eagle smiled a terrible, knowing smile. The smile seemed to say that he had seen creatures try this desperate action a hundred times, that rabbits were always so very afraid and sank low, but it never helped. They were nearly face to face now, the screeching eagle so close. The eagle dropped lower, and as he did, Pickett sprang suddenly up, leaping hard and quick directly at the eagle. The eagle's face showed shock, confusion. He lashed out with his talons, but he hesitated. Pickett raised his powerful feet and soared just past the grasping talons, kicking the eagle's head and landing heavily on the predator's back. From there, Pickett sprang again, using the bird's firm back to launch higher in the air. The eagle was driven hard to the ground, knocked senseless by the succeeding blows to his head and back and the unmoving earth. Meanwhile, Pickett flew. He sailed through the air with terrific force, right at the circling hawk. This bird, stunned by what he'd seen, extended his wings and tried to beat back a short, regrouping retreat. It was too late. Pickett spun forward in the air, feet overhead. As the bird's wings extended, Pickett planted his powerful feet directly in the hawk's middle. It was a devastating kick the hawk was knocked back, breathless, to fall spiraling to the air, to the earth. Pickett's momentum had been arrested in midair. Beneath him, Red Eye Garlickson stood stunned. He swerved from Smalls to face this rabbit, falling like a meteor from the sky. Pickett did fall. He fell fast. As he did, he drew his sword for the first time in one depth lightning motion. 
Garlickson turned and looked up just in time to see the flashing blade that ended his life. He lay dead on the ground as the red sun set. Pickett rose slowly to his full height, breathing hard. He stared at his sword and at the lifeless wolf. A moment later, Pickett sliced the ropes that held Smalls and helped him up. Garden Longtreader had fled, at first crawling, then running into the woods. The stunned hawk was nowhere to be seen. My brother, Smalls said, clasping Pickett's hand. Pickett smiled. My place beside you, my blood for yours, till the green ember rises for the end of the world. Smalls nodded gravely. He bent to find his sword. It was lying right beside the bright green gem. Smalls slid on his satchel and returned the stone to its depths. We need to go, Smalls said, sheathing his sword. But as he did, the, wood, the woods ahead came alive. A row of wolves appeared, nearly fifty, nearly fifty strong, snarling furiously as they looked on their dead captain. Pickett shook his head. Of course, Master Halmer said there are no happy endings. Smalls smiled sadly at Pickett. Let's make it a good end, he said. Yes, my lord, Pickett said, bowing quickly. Somehow he felt unstoppable. Let's make them remember. They drew their blades and stood side by side, shoulder to shoulder, at the center of Jupiter's crossing. The wolves charged, teeth bared and spears poised. Pickett braced himself for the end. But before the attacking wolves got halfway to the rabbits, they slowed and then stopped. Their expressions changed. They hesitated, eyes widening. Pickett heard a noise from behind. He turned. A host of furious rabbits crashed into the clearing. Uncle Wilfred was at their head, and beside him, Helmer. They were flanked by soldiers, captains, and lords from various citadels and from the forest guard. Lord Rake, Lord Victor Blackstar, Captain Fry, Hayward, and a hundred others charged in. For Jupiter's blood! And Jupiter's heir, Uncle Wilfred cried. For the green ember, Lord Blackstar shouted. They drew even with Smalls and Pickett, and all advanced together, putting the ragged band of wolves to flight. Read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter. Chapter 43, After the End. Pickett dashed into the fray, side by side with Jupiter Smalls, slicing at the retreating wolves. They pursued for a few minutes, and then Smalls stopped. Pickett stayed with Smalls, grateful for a chance to rest. When had he last rested? Lord Rake came up beside them and bowed quickly to Smalls. Prince Jupiter, he said, handing him the horn. I suggest, Lord, that we call off the pursuit. Prince Jupiter nodded and sounded the horn clear and long. At once, soldiers came trickling back through the woods, and everyone worked their way back to Jupiter's crossing. You're right, Lord Rake, Prince Jupiter said, once they had gained the clearing. We all need rest. 
and we're too few if they are reinforced and turn on us. But what if they share our location? What about the security of Cloud Mountain? Pickett asked. It's likely they've already sent word as far as Morven, Uncle Wilfred said, breathing hard as he jogged up. There's little we can do about that now. Uncle Garton was here, Pickett said. Then it's certain, Uncle Wilfred said with a scowl. Morvin knows. We'll have preparations to make, my lord, Lord Brake said, up the mountain and elsewhere. The world has changed today, Prince Jupiter Small said, looking at Pickett. More and more had gathered now and were circling around them, chattering and slapping backs. Torches were lit and Jupiter's crossing was illuminated. Uncle Wilfred, seeming to remember himself, raised his hands. The rabbits, breathing hard and smiling, grew quiet. My friends, he called, your prince, Jupiter Smalls. He dropped to one knee and bowed his head. Pickett followed his uncle quickly, bending the knee and bowing his head. Everyone else did the same. Pickett looked up to see the prince with his arm extended toward him, motioning him over. Stand with me, Pickett, he said, if you will. I will do nothing else, Pickett said, rising and crossing to Small's side. For as long as I live. Loyal rabbits all, please rise, Prince Jupiter said. They stood. We have pressing matters still, so I'll say little for now, but I call you to remember by your honor and to faithful re faithfully repeat that on this day, in the place of my family's greatest loss, the name Longtreader meant salvation. He pulled Uncle Wilfred to one side and wrapped his arm around his shoulder. And for many years, I have been protected by the name Longtreader. Pickett beamed, tears standing out in his eyes. Heather found him, and they stood together beside the prince and their uncle. Thank you for all your valiant work. We will need more in the years to come. The war is only starting now, but this, the first battle in our war for liberty, is won. Cheers and shouts filled the air above Jupiter's crossing. There were fires all over, surrounded by happy, tired rabbits, leaning on their swords and swapping stories. The company rested and shared what provisions they had. They cared for the wounded as best they could and saw to the care of the few who had fallen. All were exhausted. Pickett and Heather sat around one of many fires. Prince Jupiter had called a halt halfway back to Cloud Mountain. Pickett took water and his share of the scant provisions. Heather blinked and rubbed her at her eyes. Uncle Wilfred insisted on perfecting the sling that he had hastily made for her earlier. But you're as bad off as I am, she said wearily. Not quite, he said, smiling through a painful bruise on his cheek, a swollen eye that he could barely see out of, and an awful gash on his neck. I've had worse. Lord Victor Blackstar sat across from the long treaders at the fire. Beside Helmer, the smiling 
sometimes wincing, Captain Fry. Uncle Wilfred finished his adjustments to the field sling and turned to Lord Blackstar. Where's the prince, Lord Blackstar, he asked. Prince Jupiter is at the central fire, Lord Victor Blackstar said, pointing. He asks for the captains and lords at his signal. He has procured Lord Rake's horn. Well, my dears, Uncle Wilfred said to his niece and nephew, I must attend to his majesty. I'll be back. Captain Helmer will care for you, he said, saluting his old comrade-in-arms. The wall between them seemed to have crumbled. Heather noticed happily. My brother, Helmer said to Uncle Wilfred, these two just reversed the most devastating loss imaginable today and turned it into an unthinkable victory. I'm starting to think they could take care of themselves. I suppose so, Uncle Wilfred said, but I'm still their guardian, no matter what unheard of heroics they have performed. He trotted off, his relieved laughter filling the darkness as he disappeared into the shadows between the fires. Before the halt, Heather hadn't stopped running for hours. She had found Captain Fry and Lord Blackstar back at the mouth of the cave and convinced them to gather what strength they could and fly with all haste toward Jupiter's crossing. They had come quickly down the mountain, then met up with Uncle Wilfred and Helmer's combined band of stragglers. They made a magnificent, they made a significant and what proved to be a winning force. They had taken a direct but little known path and never stopped. They had seen on their approach Pickett's incredible flight and fight, his mind-boggling rescue of Prince Jupiter Smalls from two birds of prey and a wolf. Heather slumped onto her brother's shoulder. My arm hurts, sure, but what's worse is being this tired. I can't keep my eyes open, Pickett. He laughed and put his arm around her and held her. I'm proud of you, he said. Hey, that's what I meant to say, she said. She kissed his cheek, remembering when she did the soldier she had left in the woods. Joe, she hoped he had made it. There was always a cost in these horrible battles, she knew. But it might have been worse today. It might have been much worse. There was a short blast on the horn. That's the prince's signal, Lord Blackstar said. Come on, Helmer. Why me, he asked. I'm no lord. Come on, lord captain of the king's army, Lord Blackstar said. No more hiding who you really were. Well, who you really are. Helmer smirked, rose slowly, and made to move toward the central fire. He stopped in front of Pickett and held out his hand. Pickett grasped it. They looked at each other for a moment. Helmer let go and walked outside the firelight. But he paused her and turned and said, I guess ladybugs can fly after all. He disappeared into the night. Pickett smiled. I've never heard of such a thing as what you did in all my life, Captain Fry said. And I've seen wars, long treaders, terrible wars. I saw King Jupiter cut down garlics. I saw Perkin One-Eye surprise the eagles of Del, of Del Beck but I've never seen or heard of anything like what I saw you do today. If I hadn't seen it, I would never have believed it. It 
It was a wonder, Heather said. Chapter 44, The Beginning. Several days passed. They expected an attack, but it hadn't come yet. Intelligence reports were conflicting, but for now they increased security and prepared for war. The trades resumed, and life, albeit warily, went on. Heather made her way through hallway round and into the great hall. She waved at Ethel Potter, smiled at the countless nods of courtesy, the wordless blessings, and the many who humbly said thank you. Behind her, she heard gasps and grateful whispers of the name Longtreader, her name. But she would not let herself be stopped by a grateful crowd today. She walked past the chandlers and the barbers and paused a moment before the door of the story guild. She drew a deep breath and walked in. The master stopped in mid-sentence and looked up at Heather in surprise. The room fell silent and the gathered tail spinners looked at her with amazed expectation. My name is Heather Longtreader, she said, and I have a story to tell. Heather's tale was written down and copied, and then copied again and again. Soon it was being passed from Cloud Mountain families to the Halfwind Citadel soldiers. From Halfwind, it was copied and passed again to Harbo, Kingston, Blackstone, and every secret citadel. It spread far beyond. It reached even those cowering in the burnt-out hollows of the Great Wood. The last paragraph of the story was set apart on its own page, written large across the middle. The green ember burns. The seed of the new world smolders. Healing is on the horizon, but a fire comes first. Bear the flame. Pickett warmed his hands by the fire Helmer had made beneath his old maple tree in the village green. They had been practicing with wooden swords. Their deadlier versions were sheathed on the grass nearby. You're improving, Helmer said. Thank you, Lord Captain, Pickett said. I told you, Bucky, if you keep calling me that, Helmer said, tossing his knife up and down in his hand, I'm going to make your life miserable. Since the battle, I've spent every day training with you, Pickett said. I don't know how it could get any much worse. Helmer smiled. Oh, it can't. Pickett laughed and then looked up to see Captain Fry hurrying towards them. He stood up. Helmer sat up. There's news, Captain Fry said, breathing hard. We just received word from our network. Reliable word. He puffed, holding up a finger and catching his breath. What is it? Helmer asked. I thought we already knew that Morgan was regrouping. Not that, Captain Fry said. They sent word about prisoners. They think we've discovered where they're being held. We believe, Pickett, that your family might be among them. Pickett nodded and took up his sword, buckling it on his belt. The end. Yeah! yeah.